What's up, podcast listeners? Very excited to share this episode with you featuring my dear friend, Maureen Tremblay, who is the Total Person Program Coordinator at George Tech University. On this show, we're going to be talking about their service learning trip that they've been doing for three years straight, going to countries such as Costa Rica, and most recently, these past two years in Puerto Rico, building up communities through the hands of student athletes. Now, welcome to the Jack of All Trades podcast. Okay, guys, so this is episode 11 of the Jack of All Trades podcast. I am blessed to have the magnificent Marine Tremblay on the line with me, who is the coordinator in student-athlete development extraordinaire of the Total Person Program at Georgia Tech University. And we're going to be talking about building communities through service learning and specifically the service learning trips that they've been doing for the past three years with the athletes in Atlanta. So welcome to the show, Maureen. Can you give us a bit more of an introduction just about your typical job duties and what they entail? Yeah, thank you, Jack. Um, So my position at Georgia Tech is the Total Person Program Coordinator. Um, And our Total Person Program is uh, student-athlete development focused. Um, It actually was the original student-athlete development program founded by Homer Wright, our athletic director, back in 1980. Um, So we've had a long growth cycle of our total person program, um, and now we focus mainly on four areas of leadership development, professional development, um, community outreach, and then personal wellness, which includes mental health and nutrition, which is also part of our program um, that mostly my supervisor oversees. And then my role is specifically in the leadership and career development and community outreach areas. Awesome. Yeah, so it seems like you guys have a good amount of stuff going on, as do a lot of the ACC peers. Yeah. um, Which is awesome to see. Um, And one of the other things that I wanted to – you know, kind of discuss before we got going on the Jackets Without Borders program, which is the service learning trip that you've been a major part of, is, you know, your own background. So you were a former student athlete at Oregon State University on the track team and, uh, you know, did a lot of things there, which we're going to delve into. So how do you believe that your experience as a student athlete has assisted you in what you do today? Um, Well, obviously it played a huge part because I'm still in college athletics. Um, But I think, first of all, I had a wonderful experience there and I wouldn't change anything. The teammates that I had, the coach I had, the experience was wonderful. Um, I did have kind of a non-traditional experience because I wasn't able to compete very often. Um, I had several season-ending injuries and had surgery to fix some issues. Um, So by the time that 
all of these issues were kind of healed and dealt with. I was in my fifth year of college. Um, so the first four were fairly challenging just with injuries. So I think I spent more time in the training room than I did with my team, which has own challenges in itself. But um, because I wasn't able to travel that often with the team um, or compete very often, it left a lot of time for me to find my place in other ways in athletics. Um, so one of those was joining SAC. Um, and I was a part of that for four years and eventually ended up um, serving on the executive board for SAC for several years. Um, and then also just meeting staff members around the department. I did internships with my coaches. Um, I actually worked as a study facilitator in the academic for student athlete department. Um, and then uh, in my fifth year, I volunteered with the student athlete development program. So a lot of different experiences because I wasn't, able to compete as much as I would have hoped, um, but I think that has honestly been what has developed a path and my passion for this area because um, I wasn't as focused on as athletics and got to seek some of the inner workings in um, what an athletic department does, and that definitely influenced my passion for leadership and working with student-athletes. That's awesome. So, then, you know, kind of it could be described as a blessing in disguise because at the time you were probably wishing that you could compete, but now looking back on it, it seems like you were able to learn so much more because of the fact that you weren't able to compete. Is that correct? Yeah, definitely. It was a very much a learning experience. And um, I mean, I give so much credit to my coach who he still kept me very involved and very engaged with the team um, I was a captain of my team for three years, so even though I wasn't competing, um, I was always out of practice and always helping with the team. Um, and even when I was able to run, was um, still seen as a leader on my team, which I was really grateful for. And that was from the coach that my position, or from the position that my coach put me in, um, and teammates voted me in as captain. So I think seeing that and getting that um, reinforcement from my team and still being an integral part was really helpful. Yeah, and that ability to, you know, be elected as a captain of your team while not being able to compete, I think it's such a monumental factor, as well as being a part of the executive board of SAC during the time at Oregon State. And, you know, one of the things that I, I noticed that, that you did during that time was you facilitated and coordinated various events for yourself and the other athletes at Oregon State. So, you know, what type of role has that played of being heavily involved in staff and kind of what you do today? Because as people within this industry know, it's not just about the program itself. There's a lot of back-end work, which is, you know, the event planning side. Yeah. Um, well, definitely gave me a good understanding of everything that goes into planning an event. And, of course, at the time, being student-athletes, you don't always see all that goes into it from administrative level. Um, but there was a really good learning process from working with people in the department, from staff members, or even with our executive staff, um, and seeing more about how student-athletes can collaborate with athletic department staff members on initiatives and events. 
Um, and that was one thing I really enjoyed was working on promoting different opportunities for student athletes and um, trying to break down some of the barriers that sometimes exist between student athletes feeling um, separated from athletic staff and really building relationships between those two parties is super beneficial for everyone. Um, and I was even able through SAC to get to know leadership staff a lot more. Um, for example, my fifth year, um, Todd Stansbury came in as athletic director, who he now is currently the athletic director of Georgia Tech, where I work. Um, and I didn't, I didn't realize at the time my impact or my sphere of influence um, would connect to him. And then that ultimately was what led me to um, working here because he remembered me as a student athlete and reached out when there was a job available. So really understanding how, um, how much of an impact student athletes can have on those around them and then how much a difference can be made, not only with yourself, but how you can impact other student athletes and people around you. Yeah, and that band of influence itself is, you know, just leading from the position where you're currently planted and having that bloom into something so that those above you can really just remember who you are and always tie that together. And also, as you mentioned, during during your fifth year, you, you were able to work within the student-athlete development side of things at Oregon State with their program. It's called Everyday Champions. And uh, there's somebody there that, you know, you and I were able to learn from at PDI as well as just when you were at Oregon State and Kimya Massey. And then also yeah. after you graduated from Oregon State, you were able to work at Clemson, and they have a phenomenal – student-athlete development staff as well. So during, you know, your time working under Kimya and then, you know, if Sonny was there at Clemson, um, what are three pieces of advice that you kind of learned from working under these two great leaders within this space? Yeah, yeah I definitely think those two are really impactful, especially in the position I have now. Um, working under Kimya, who was brought in during my fifth year in administration and Todd Stansbury came to Oregon State, um, really showed the difference that can be made by putting the student-athlete voices first. And Kimya Massey, who's the senior associate AD for student-athlete development, um, he was really great at giving student-athletes ownership and giving autonomy in terms of programming and teaching us how to take ownership over things that we were really passionate about and be able to build programming around that. Um, so I think that is something that I have taken with me and use a lot in my position here um, in trying to make programming specific for the student athlete needs at Georgia Tech. That is a fairly unique place um, in terms of the highly academic demands. So being able to put what student athletes need in terms of really specific programming and have them take some ownership has been really influential, I know, at Oregon State, but also here as well. And then working with Sonny Doolin at Clemson as we started their Tiger Leadership Academy, um, I think the biggest impact on me was showing how developing leadership programming over time um, and making it really interactive and fun has such an impact on the relationships that are made and seeing how a cohort grows over time um, and even doing, like, 
team building activities or fun different kind of programming, often they're learning just as much from that as they are from any sort of um, def defined curriculum that we're using. So just making sure that any kind of programming is always fun and focused on relationship building, and that's going to be what makes a group come together and really helps people bond and build bridges between teams and um, people that may have not had anything in common prior to that. So um, definitely two great leaders that I have had the pleasure of learning from and um, they're still doing awesome things right now. Yeah, I mean, they're some of the prominent thought leaders within this space. And, you know, one of the things that you mentioned was the relationship building and to kind of sway this conversation towards the community service and service learning that you guys do. Um, you mentioned Todd Sansbury who is now the athletic director at Georgia Tech. And uh, he was at Oregon State, like you mentioned. Um, how much of a role did Oregon State's service learning program play in developing the Jackets Without Borders program at Georgia Tech? Yeah, actually a huge role um, because not even during his time as athletic director, but it was, Prior to that, when Todd Stanbury was, um, I believe, the deputy athletic director at Oregon State, but they started the Beavers Without Borders program um, and grew over time into a, a similar program that we have done now. And so I think for Todd Stansbury, having that as a guinea pig to see how a program can develop and really taking um, the pieces that became really successful from that and implementing it when he came here to Georgia Tech um, and starting Jack Without Borders because his biggest priority is giving student athletes an opportunity to experience something beyond their comfort zone and beyond their um, relative community to not only expose them to something different beyond their um, normal life, but to send students somewhere so that they're put in a position um, where they're growing together and experiencing something completely new um, and trying to bridge teams together that may not normally interact when we're on campus. So um, very similar programs that I think for us, Jackson Without Borders took it a different direction just because of our connections to Puerto Rico this the past few years, um, which has been really integral in us building that program with a community in Puerto Rico because Georgia Tech um, not only has a lot of alumni there, but also um, our softball coach is from Puerto Rico. So seeing the the connection that we have um, has really skyrocketed our participation there um, and helped us see the value in creating these relationships over time. Yeah, and, you know, the cultural bridge between that is, I think, so monumental and impactful for the overall experience of student-athletes themselves. And, you know, breaking out of the comfort zone is – extremely key in whatever you do in life. I mean, even us as professionals, it's still awesome for us to break out of comfort zones. So to have, you know, Todd want to build that program and for you to really lead that program has been awesome. So, you know, the program itself was started in 2017 and 
I think the first year you guys went to Costa Rica in these past two years, you guys went to Puerto Rico, as you mentioned. So how has this experience been of, you know, building this program from the ground up and how has it, you know, grown over the years? Yeah. So we have gone to two locations and actually um, the trip to Costa Rica was kind of given to me right when I began this position a little over two years ago. Um, as my first responsibility. So I was thrown into it um, almost a month before we left. So trying to um, gather all the pieces together, we still had a, we already had a group of students that were interested in going, um, but really doing the planning process and leading up to the trip. Um, So for me, this experience has been um, with it from almost day one of this program, which has been really cool to see it grow over time. Um, So we did have eight students that went to Costa Rica and we went with courts for kids and built a sports court in a, um, a community in Costa Rica there. It was, it was a wonderful experience and really gave me a huge passion for developing this project and continuing it because I saw how impactful it can be for our students, um, not only for them to get to know people in another community in another country, but also to grow together with people outside of their sport, which I think is one of the coolest things that comes from this. Um, and then last year, we took 18 students um, so definitely a growth in the program, um, but also there was a lot more passion behind it from our student athlete advisory board um, because we selected Puerto Rico as the location because of the connections that we had had with alumni um, and our softball coach, Eileen Morales. So um, really choosing that spot for a specific reason um, helped to put a lot of passion behind it. And then after last year, such a wonderful experience, we knew we had to go back because we felt like the work wasn't done. Um, and last year we worked on four or five different housing projects, so one every day, and got to meet several people in the community and work alongside them. And then this year was really special as well because we worked with um, a community, the same community, but with two owners that we met last year um, that didn't have a roof from the hurricane still. And so getting to work with them the entire week was really special um, because it really helped us build some strong relationships with them um, and just a very different experience from working on several homes last year where this year was much more focused on building that relationship with one family and getting to know them really well and understanding their life and their experience in or in Puerto Rico. Awesome. Yeah, I think, you know, delving into the concentrated group of just one family is, is so important um, because it really builds those relationships. And, you know, another thing you mentioned was, the Jackets Without Borders program allows student-athletes from other sports that might not get the chance to connect to actually connect with one another. But, um, you know, besides, you know, building the relationships with the families and building the relationships between the student-athletes themselves, what else have been, you know, some of the major learning experiences and drawbacks from your guys' time in this project? I think my favorite thing to see is the change that goes through the group throughout the week. Um, So when they first come, they're all kind of nervous, apprehensive, because they're not really sure what the trip will entail, Um, and then somewhat isolated between their teams. And then throughout the the week, they're working together and becoming really close because we're spending, you know, 13, 14 hours a day with everyone together. So they go from the very beginning of the trip not knowing anyone's names to then finally at the end having this group that feels like its own sports team in itself because everyone is 
has been so passionate and so connected for an entire week for a common goal and has really worked together as a team is always very cool to see. Um, and then I think the biggest thing is seeing them at the end of the trip, realizing how much an impact it, it has had on each of them individually. Um, and a lot of them have a hard time describing what the trip has meant to them because they feel like they've given a lot, but what they've gotten back from the experience and the relationships with these community members has been so much more impactful. Um, and sometimes they walk away saying, I feel like I got so much more out of this than we even gave to um, the family when really, I mean, that's the feeling that comes from both sides. So seeing how much of an impact that it can have on each individual and the growth that comes from that is really cool. Yeah. And I, I couldn't imagine, you know, how, how that's like, cause it is really important to, you know, use the platform of sport for something greater than just the X's and O's of the game itself. And that's one of the things that Jackets Without Borders definitely does. And uh, you mentioned before that that has played a huge role in how the locations of Puerto Rico and the projects themselves were selected. Um, but were there any other processes, you know, that you guys used to select the projects themselves? when last year you guys went from four homes and the head softball coach probably played a major role in selecting Puerto Rico country for you guys to go to. And then this year you guys just working with one family. So yeah. um, how, you know, was that selection? Right. Like, so for the past two years in Puerto Rico, we've partnered with a organization called Global Works. Our experts in creating and building programs for um, international service learning trips. Um, and we selected them last year because they were one of the only programs that had a solidified project from Puerto Rico. Um, and so there could be immediate work on the ground just after the hurricane hit. Um, and they've been working with Puerto Rico for over 30 years in this same community. So there are a lot of ties already built between Google Works and um, the community of Via Del Rio where we were working. And the way that they do it, which I really appreciate this model, is they partner with the local community and have community members in there as the liaisons for the people that choose the work. Um, and it was actually the family's house that we worked on. Their names are Angel and Maria. And Angel has been working with Global Works for 16 years, helping host these groups that come in. Um, and it was finally his house that was selected. So last year, he was organizing all of the group builds that we did um, and picking the five or six houses that needed immediate attention. Uh, and he spent the last two years without a roof because he was selecting everyone else's houses in the community to get worked on. And so they knew that we would bring in um, a really strong and hardworking group, and so they thought that we may be able to get their roof finished. Um, so it was really special to work with their family as someone who has been giving back for so long and then finally getting the reward of having their house worked on um, not only for him, but also his wife. She's the one who um, cooks all the meals for all of the groups that come in. Um, so we had a project that was initially planned out. They thought that would take us about four days, and it really took us four hours. Um, so they immediately realized that we would need a lot more work to do. So that's when the idea for the roof came about. Um, and we were able to finish almost their entire roof in the next two and a half days, which was really special to see that we were leaving something finished or almost finished, but so impactful for their quality of life. Yeah, I mean, 
finally getting that chance, I feel like, was a blessing in itself for that family and for you guys to complete that project that was, you know, supposed to take four days and you guys trimmed it into four hours. I mean, you guys are known as the rambling wreck, but it seems like you guys are the rambling crew on that one. So props to you guys and, you know, building that. And, um, you know, one of the pieces that's obviously not lost in this, and I think is the main reason why a lot of people are apprehensive to do international service learning trips is the financial component of it. So it takes a lot of money, um, thousands and thousands of dollars to really get this program rolling. So how have you guys as a athletic department and that group and the participants been able to fundraise the funds needed so that you guys can, you know, partake in these types of trips? Right. So that definitely is by far our biggest challenge is the fundraising and financial piece. Um, I will give a whole lot of credit to the students because we tell them as soon as they apply and sign up for this program and get accepted that their next steps in order to attend the trip is that they have to fundraise the money. Um, so it is almost 100% student-athlete fundraising driven, um, and their expectation is that you are funding individual trips, um, which falls anywhere between $2,000 and $2,500 each year. Um, but those costs are for all of their food, their lodging, the travel, the flight, um, but then also funds all of the building supplies they use. So they're tasked with going out and asking friends and family and donors to give to their trips. And our students were actually very successful this year, and I was really proud of how well they fundraised. Um, and I would say that one of the biggest changes we had this year versus last year was our fundraising department was able to develop um, individual, like, GoFundMe-style pages for the students in order to track their projects over time um, and see the amount of funds that they have rolling in and keep a list of their donors. So it was really helpful, and I would suggest that anyone who is doing this to go that model of having um, individual pages for students to use. Um, but really that is the biggest challenge is making sure student-athletes are on top of the fundraising, that they have the resources and the connections to fundraise with because we don't really tap into our athletic donors. Um, these are all friends and family. And then we do have um, a general donor push that we did get a little bit of response from to uh, three donors were um, highly contributing to that program. Um, but it was enough to cover a little bit for each student. But for the majority of it, they are fundraising almost all of the funds, which I have to give them a lot of credit for because it's not easy to do. Yeah, I, I I would assume not. So that is major kudos to them, and I really love the idea of the crowdsourcing uh, technique of having the GoFundMe type pages where they can, you know, fundraise money that way because it is for a great cause, and, you know, these, these trips are so monumental. And, you know, one of the ways that they've made a huge difference based off of some of the articles that you were able to send me is the changing of the culture for community service at Georgia Tech has increased. So how has this 
uh, initiative itself, you know, kind of changed that culture surrounding community service? Yeah, and I think it has in terms of the long-term plans for this program. Um, because three years of three years ago, we definitely had lower interest than we do now, and so I think over time, just the awareness of it has been really big, um, and seeing how it has impacted a lot of our teams throughout the athletics department because most of the reason that students were signing up this year was because they said, oh, I had a teammate who went last year and they said it was such a life-changing experience that I want to do this now. Um, and so seeing the excitement for this kind of program gr grow throughout the years has been really cool. Um, and then seeing more so even just the idea and vision for relationship building. So I do really hope that we will continue to work with this same community over time, whether that um, means we go once a year. Our hope is to also have two trips a year, and maybe we alternate programs or alternate destinations, but to keep uh, Puerto Rico and Via del Rio as one of our destinations, I think, will be really impactful for our student-athletes long-term, um, because just seeing the impact that we had on their community last year when we got to attend this year again and see some houses that were almost finished because of the work that we had put in, that's super impactful to everyone who went last year, and then I know this group, again, will experience that when we return it again. So um, just the impact that you see over time, but then also the change that you see in the individual students so that now we have 50-plus students who have gone on these trips, and they're often the ones that I'll reach out to, and we have a community service project because I know that they have experienced this life-changing program um, and really have a, a heart and a value for service learning. So they're often – the first ambassadors that I will go to when I need help with a service project. Um, and I think that has been really cool in order to develop their passion with community service as well. Yeah, and that awareness and impact has compounded over time, which is, you know, one of the things that you mentioned. And it's so um, important and critical to see because there is time for, for these types of events to go on. And what you guys have been able to do in the community in Puerto Rico is phenomenal. And it's been most recently uh, awarded the ACC's Game Changers Award, which is a, a award that recognizes and highlights specific ACC teams based off of their involvement within the community. So what was your initial reaction to hearing that the Jackets Without Borders program won the award, and how has this helped the overall success of the program? Well, initially I was honestly pretty shocked because I don't think service trips are unique or inherently unique in terms of um, – I know there are a lot of other schools and programs that do things like this, um, but I think specifically it was – unique for us because of the relationship and the, the high need that was in Puerto Rico. So I felt really honored to see the, the work of our student athletes being recognized at that level um, by the conference, which uh, I'm just really proud of them still. And this group who went last or this year and last year to see their continued efforts for a really worthy cause. Um, and then I think just for the success for the overall program, it has just helped to highlight the impact that we will continue to have. Um, and I think the award and the awareness of it being known by coaches and other staff members, and that really helps just because 
it will promote more student athletes wanting to be involved in this um, and coaches who know about it and can tell their team or even tell recruits this can be a major quote-unquote game changer for our department as well just because um, it's a very unique opportunity that many student athletes don't get because um, you know they're not able to study abroad or during college and this is one way that they can experience something new and get a life-changing experience through this program. Yeah and the time demand you know kind of limits what they can do so that is awesome that you guys are able to use as a gateway per se for them to experience other cultures and you know see what they're doing actually be beneficial um so obviously this program has been very impactful i mean you guys have built or helped build six homes and a basketball court and many other life-changing experiences and there's so many people that want to start these types of trips so what are three pieces of advice that you would share with those within the industry that you know kind of want something to what you guys are doing in uh at at georgia tech in, in atlanta sure um i think first it's really important to understand what the intent and what the goals of the program are um, for us, it's been really important to have maintaining relationships with the community. And so um, for our program, that's why Global Works has been such a great partner because their focus is helping a community by going in there consistently um, and yearly with the same group to help out. But also so much of the ownership goes on the community in terms of working alongside them and working with them to help them. And so it's not feeling like we are providing a service and then leaving. It's just assisting the work they need to have done. Um, but then for a school that their goal may be more focused on service through sport, I think Courts for Kids is a really good match. Um, and we use them our first year because it's so focused on providing opportunities for sport for communities that cannot afford to have a sports facility. So um, just really think about the intent and what the outcomes of the project are. And then secondly, I think getting as much student-athlete feedback as possible and getting that to influence the experience of the trip. So whether that means the destination or what kind of activities or things you want to have in the program, it really helps to get student-athlete buy-in and feedback because it's going to make them so much more invested in the program. Um, and then I spoke about it a little bit before, but really choosing a partner organization who understands the values of your athletic department and can tailor the trip to fit your needs. Um, and again, I've been really impressed with Global Works and their ability to tailor the trip for what we need as student athletes and an athletic department, um, because obviously our group is going to function a little bit differently because they have such a high capacity for work. Um, and especially our group bringing in a whole lot of people and making sure that the project is really what our student athletes are capable of and will continue to challenge them. Um, and then finally, I think making sure your staff members are engaged in this as well. We got to bring four staff this year. Um, I would always recommend bringing an athletic trainer if possible because we definitely utilized our, our athletic trainer, Eric Avila, this year. He was great. Um, and we had a recurring staff member come back, Brad Malone, to take video, which is really helpful so you can document the trip. Video and pictures are really important. 
Um, and then Tyler Wheeler is another one from that same department to help capture capture the trip. So I think making sure you're bringing staff who can really add value, whether that's through relationships um, or sports medicine or um, video communications are always really important as well. Yeah, and, you know, the story of this program and programs like this is, you know, the main reason why I wanted to get into this industry is, you know, the impact that sport can play um, as a positive source of inspiration and progress within society as a whole. And, uh, you know, these types of service learning trips, they do that. And um, here's kind of your moment to shine on uh, throw some shameless plugs in there on uh, why should each school participate in international service learning trips? Well, I obviously am very biased, but I think it's one of the coolest things as a staff member that I can do. Um, and it's really one of my favorite programs that we do every year. And I'm so excited to see the future of this program. Um, so I think for staff, it's really impactful because um, two of our staff members that we brought this year do not get to interact really frequently with student athletes. They're um, in a communications department. So for them, being able to interact an entire week and get to build relationships with students is so crucial for, for them as staff members in athletics. And I think that's one of the biggest things that this trip can do, not only for staff, but also student athletes, is bringing those relationships together. Um, and then I mentioned it, but also just the opportunity for student athletes to get outside their comfort zone and potentially travel abroad and experience something that they may have not had the opportunity to do because scheduling and um, your time demands are so tight that study abroad or anything is pretty limited. But offering programs like this where there's a one week where it's sponsored by athletics and the intent is to expose your student athletes to something totally different and help broaden their horizons and really help them understand themselves and what they want to do long-term, um, I think is really cool in developing a sense of service and gratitude in your entire department. So I think really any athletic department or um, any program can really benefit from something like this. And, you know, the travel component, the building of a community of the athletic department as a whole and just the uh, athletes themselves is so influential and um, kind of want to sway into the last piece of our podcast together. And uh, the first question on this piece is, if you could master any three skills, what would they be and why? Oh, man, that's kind of a hard question, and I was trying to think about this because I knew you would ask it. Um, let's see. I mean, I'll try to move away from, like, anything athletic or outdoorsy because I think I spend a lot of my time doing that, but um, something more like a skill that I would like to master. Um, one would be languages. So even going to Puerto Rico, I am not super adept at speaking other languages, and I found that my understanding is pretty high. So communicating with the local community members in Spanish, I could understand so much of what they said, but then my ability to respond is pretty limited. So I would love to become more proficient in Spanish, but then also other languages. I am really impressed with people who can speak 
more than one language and speak them fluently. And so that's something I would love to have. Um, I think with that, another thing I'm not great at is anything with musical instruments. Um, so I've always been jealous of anyone that can um, play a musical instrument really well. And um, I play the ukulele a little bit, but not very well. So would love to put more effort and emphasis on that. Um, and then I guess the third thing would be I'm really envious of people who are, this may sound odd, but good storytellers. Like I am just not great at capturing an audience with a story. Um, so hearing public speakers or even um, like some of my students can come in and tell me like a super great story from their weekend and um, I wish I had that ability. So maybe those, th those are three things that I can work on, but I think some of that is uh, more ingrained and um, maybe not as learned, but I can always work on those three things. So that, that's the goal of mine. That's awesome. Yeah, those are definitely, you know, very um, broad-ranging and impactful, and they kind of tie into who you are as a person as well. Um, so, you know, you mentioned the storytelling component of the athletes that you work with, but uh, what are three other things that you have learned from the athletes that, that you serve and work with on a day basis? Yeah, I think I am continuously impressed with the student athletes at Georgia Tech because they are so capable in their sport, but then their ability to handle such rigorous academic experiences is really, really impressive to me. Um, and I think something that not a lot of student athletes have to do um, because Georgia Tech is so rigorous. So I am always impressed with their ability to handle adversity and the challenges of school, but then really seeing their passion for what they're studying. So, I mean, we have biomedical engineers, aerospace engineers, uh, computer scientists, all these different really passionate students that are so invested in their, in their education and in their future as well. So that's always really inspiring. Um, and their dedication, I think, is really speaks for it, itself, but um, it's not easy at all to make it through or graduate from Georgia Tech. So the fact that they're doing that with a full-time student-athlete load always has been um, something that I really admire about them. And then finally, I think I've just learned from working with a lot of student-athletes from different sports and different backgrounds is that everyone always has something in common and can always build a relationship regardless of who you are, where you came from. Um, so I think our Jack Without Borders program demonstrates that really well, but also just getting to know student athletes on a daily basis uh, and learning more about them and seeing what we have in common, which a lot of times are something that I never expect is one of my favorite things about my job. Yeah. I think, uh, shared interest is, you know, so important to really delve into um, because no matter where you do come from, you said you can learn from others and there are some common things, even if you're not from the same type of background and whatnot. So, you know, those three things, as well as the three skills and just the programs that you have operating at Georgia Tech, I mean, you're obviously a constant learner. So uh, where do you draw most of your inspiration from? I would say, of course, the student athletes and getting to work with them. 
Um, I think that what is what drives me to coming to work today. Um, but then really the inspiration I think is from my peers in this, this field. So, um, I mean, everyone we met at TDI, people I know from the Leadership Academy workshop, um, people from N4A, and then especially the mentors that I've had. I mentioned Sunny and Timya, but, um, I mean, some of my best friends work in this field and the people I've gotten to know, and um, even my best friend does work in this field. We were student athletes together, um, but Kelsey Share works at Pitt. So being able to communicate with people that I'm really close with about this job and seeing what people do um, on social media and sharing about their successes, that's always really inspiring and seeing people advance and get new jobs and really being passionate about their work is definitely what promotes me and pushes me every day. That's so good. And, uh, you know, once your career is finished, um, what do you want your legacy to be and what do you want to be remembered as in this space? That's a, that's a big question. Um, I mean, I think it always goes back to your values and what you, um, what I have as values every day. So um, mine are, and thanks to PDI and Leadership Academy Workshop for having um, these kind of programs where you develop and label your values. So now I have mine, um, which are authenticity, influence, community, personal growth, and adventure. Um, so I think if I could truly live out those values by like positively influencing other people and helping them develop their own passions as well as maximizing their own and my happiness, um, I would definitely consider that to be a success through my career. Um, and if I could do those same things outside of my career as well, like always looking to grow personally and professionally, um, going on as many trips or adventures as I can, but then really building community, I think, is one of the biggest things for me of working at a place and having people around me that really lift you up and um, having awesome people to work with. Those are all, you know, really, really awesome things. And, you know, the values do kind of set the foundation. And uh, before I ask the final question, I want to ask you where is the best place for people to connect with you, whether that's, you know, social media or what other platforms oh, yeah. you um, use the most? Well, I mean, email is always great. You can find me on the Ramblin' Rec website. Um, Twitter, I think, is also a good one. And Instagram, my handles are Maureen Tremblay, if you're looking for me. And then, honestly, my favorite thing is to connect with people in person. Um, or even phone calls, but in-person is always great. So if anyone is ever in Atlanta and wants to meet up or see the campus or talk about programming, whatever it may be, get some coffee, um, I love that kind of stuff. So phone calls or in-person are always great. Awesome. And before I ask the final question, I just want to um, <clears throat> give you some, you know, uh, gratitude, show some gratitude to you because of the fact that during the time that I've been able to know you, our time at PDI, and then, you know, connecting some this year, I'm just honored to be able to call you a colleague. Um, you are definitely a ambassador within this space and, you know, someone that's at having a growth mindset and, you know, utilizing the different 
professional development opportunities that are out there, such as NCAA opportunities, women's leaders, um, and then just N4A as well. And, you know, utilizing those different sources of inspiration to be able to build programs in a creative transformational way that has the best possible impact on the unique beat of student athlete at Georgia Tech. So, um, but with that being said, the final question, this is uh, the Jack of all trades podcast on how to live a life with virtue. And this is, you know, the final question that I ask on every single podcast is what's your definition of virtue because virtue to me is values that inspire the readiness to transform one's own understanding of excellence so you know what is your own definition of virtue how do you live it out on a daily basis awesome well first i want to say um thanks to you i think you're definitely showing what um a true leader in the field can do because not only are you um, promoting others around you but you're doing it really selflessly so i think that's super cool that you have a podcast like this to highlight um, some of the excellence that people have or the programs that people have in this field. But um, just know that you doing that shows that you are a real leader in this industry as well. So first I want to say thank you for that. Um, And then with virtue, I think um, I really like your definition, but (laughs) uh, I think it's something that's sometimes hard to define, um, at least for me. So to me, virtue means being authentic and having integrity, and I think that's something that is especially huge in our field um, because sometimes college athletics can get a, a little bit of a bad rap because of some of the issues or scandals that come out, but I think what our field does so well is it tries to enhance the integrity and the authenticity of our student-athletes, um, and I think by showing our student-athletes that it's important to us and being authentic in who we are, they will begin to trust you and then also use us as professionals as role models to become authentic and people with high integrity. So um, I think, like you said, living a life full of virtue can be really important in helping the next generation that we impact to become more um, virtuous and kind humans. I couldn't agree with that more. And uh, thank you, you know, for, this relationship again and um, for those that are listening make sure to connect with Maureen because she is definitely a game changer within this space awesome thank you Jack I appreciate it of course truly hope you got some nuggets of information from this podcast surrounding service learning trips with Marine based off of their Jackets Without Borders program. In my opinion, service learning trips are so influential and impactful since we are able to lay the foundation of growth in other countries as well as the student athletes, teaching them lessons that are important such as gratitude and realizing that we can make a change one person at a time brick by brick thank you again for tuning in and be sure to tune into other upcoming episodes with featured guests such as Lacey Carmen Johnson from Purdue University
And until next time, continue to live a life with virtue.